cut this bit out. I've got no honey from my lips right now. No. Do you need Do you need a drink? Do you need some hot tea? No. I mean, I've got I've got some uh, Kool Aid. Mm. Well, it's not Kool Aid. It's Crystal Light. <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. Normal water is garbage. So I figured let's I make it lots. taste like soda. No, I know you do. It's not really garbage. I just, you know, I need a little flavor party in my mouth. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Speaking of parties... Our sponsors uh, today are, as always, the Green Camel Press, greencamelpress.com. We do cartoons, we do comics, we do labels, we do t-shirts. Go check us out at greencamelpress.com. Um, we are a design firm with an old school aesthetic in a digital age. Me and my partner um, do illustrations and fun little movies and all kinds of cool stuff. So go check us out. Yeah. Also... Um, if you haven't checked out our sibling podcast, gluten is not your problem for, uh, for those of you who are into funny foodie, um, talk, there's some cool stuff on there. We discussed, um, whether or not a hot dog was a sandwich. I think that's right. the latest one. Did you listen to I'm, that one yet? Not yet. Uh, I'm amazed that he's, he's stuck around for so long. At some point I thought he'd be like, I've had enough of this foolishness. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving. Cause that seems to me more like, actually he wouldn't say foolishness. He'd say Tom Fuller. I've had enough of this Tom Foolery, John. I don't mean to be persnickety, <laughs> but I have to go. I have to make but my I have egress. To go. Mm-hmm. I have, um, uh, there's a Monte Cristo out there somewhere. So we talked about Monte Cristos and then I, I asked him, I said, I said, so we talked We talked for like 20 minutes about sandwiches, about whether or not a hot dog was a sandwich, which I know sounds right. ridiculous, but because mm-hmm. um, it is. And then I said, um, do you think that cereal is a soup? And he broke it down for me. First, he said, no, absolutely not. But he said, right. But he then he, he goes into how if you want to make cereal a soup, he gives you these step by step instructions. All right, so I gotta listen to this because you mentioned this last week too, and it seems to have impressed upon you very much. You're like, you're like, he can make soup out of cereal, Jerry. This dude's a fucking genius, and we've just had this hidden gem in our lives forever, all along. All so, along. Uh, please go go buy a t-shirt at greencamelpress.com and go listen to Gluten Is Not Your Problem on right. Spotify, Apple. Um, podcasts or wherever you get yeah. your podcasts wherever <clears throat> um maybe you find them on the street yeah soundcloud the street yeah one of the questions was how do i find your podcast yes so speaking of our topic today is we're already back at q and q is our q a um and our q a episode and we gathered um questions from instagram mm-hmm. mostly um, I, I wanted to say, you know, I didn't hear from anybody on Facebook, so I don't know if you people are not out there on the Facebook page, but please go, go there and like, and the YouTube page as well. I didn't hear anything from anybody on the YouTube page, so please go like and subscribe. Um, right. you know, most of the questions came on Jerry's personal Instagram page. And if I was the kind of guy who was resentful or, <laughs> you know, feeling like, I did all this work and nobody sent me any questions and most of them all came to Jerry's personal Instagram page. I might be upset about that. You know, I might hope I might harbor right. some resentment, but sounds like you are a little bit <laughs> something to say in like all this hard work I've put into this and nobody wants to but I'm not that kind of guy. Or I should say I, I had my moment and I I thought about it. You need to it. post more selfies on the A is for Alcoholic Instagram and get a dog. Post more pictures. People love that. Yeah. I, I'll get like a hundred and some likes, which is fairly low level compared to other people, but who sure. cares? It's all bullshit. Right. But I'll get, you know, like three times as many likes for a picture of fucking Coco and, and I'll post up something I spent hours drawing and it'll just like a third of that. Like just people are like, yeah, nice drawn, funny man. Where's the dog? You know? Maybe you should bring the dog to the tattoo shop. So every time you get him in the shot with the tattoo. Yeah. Just have him licking the tattoo. <coughs> Excuse me. It just yeah. builds up the natural immunity, man. Does it? Yeah. I yeah. Know. Sure. Why not? I, I Trust me. I'm a professional. Uh, so we gathered some Q&As, some Qs, and we're going to give you some A's. Yeah. Um, we're going to put our A's in your Qs. Yes. From our listeners. And, you know, we're not um, clinical certified 
or uh, psychologists or alcoholists or anything like that. So right. um, I would suggest... And I'm not I mean, really going to... Uh, not to interrupt, but when we answer, I'm just going to kind of try to keep it anonymous. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Absolutely. So we don't need to tell anybody's... Um, but put you on blast. No, I don't want to put anybody on blast. Um, do you want to? <laughs> does it sound funny? Like, like yeah, I sound like sound someone's like, dad. You sound like someone's principal. You sound like a principal. Well, like I don't want to put anybody on blast here, blast. kids. But the, there is marijuana and an airplane bottle of vodka in your backpack. <laughs> Tyler. Um, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> So, so do you want to start? You get, you got a, you got a couple of them. Do you want to start with one of the big ones that we got from our friend and listener? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with, yeah, let's start with this. This one's real meaty. It's got a lot of meat. I don't know if I should break it down into separate ones, but I'll start with the first part of the question, which is, what strategies have you found in understanding what your boundaries or triggers are in your sobriety, and how do you maintain your needs and boundaries, you know, of being sober while respecting the freedom of choice for others to have drinks? Or to drink. So okay. That's the first part of it. So, I think I I what the strategies I found in understanding what my boundaries or triggers because the triggers and boundaries are two separate things mm-hmm. I think. And so in early recovery I was triggered quite often and I think the strategy I honestly this is might be counterproductive but the strategy I really employed the most was just naked fear. <laughs> which is really funny because in the you know in the 12 step and just kind of in general the idea is to to not hold on to fear but i found that naked fear was really useful for me and for me personally in the beginning it was the fear of the repercussions of my actions and i know i've i've circled this a few times in the podcast but i had to realize where the tape was going to play like how the tape was going to play forward like if i were to drink i already knew everything that came with it you know it just wasn't one thing there was a bunch of shit in that package you know i think i think there's i i I agree with you i mean i Mm -hmm. did the same thing i talk about it where i'd stay in my room so i'd go to work and then i wouldn't go out i wouldn't do anything and i would stay in my room because i was scared about even going to the store and maybe picking something up and having that hemming and hawing moment where should I or shouldn't I? And so I just right. wouldn't go anywhere that I didn't need to be at all. And I think that, Word. I think in the beginning, I mean, it's, well, let me just say this. The, I lived with a lot of fear. I was no stranger to living with fear when I yeah. was drinking. Mm-hmm. And in that moment where I decided not to anymore was terrifying as well. So yeah, dude. I feel like that fear is a good, it was a good catalyst for me to eventually get into the, you know, guts, the, the gears of trying to figure out how not to drink every single yeah. day. Mm-hmm. So when you, if that's what it takes for that moment, it's not, it didn't last forever. It was just like, okay, I'm scared. I'm going to stay away from and any friends or family or, or, or places <laughs> that are gonna, you know, yeah. And I was more a little bit, I was more alone in that time. I didn't live, I didn't have a lot of drinking buddies per se, but. Yeah, neither did, well, no, yes and no, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so basically, you know, fear and isolation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think other but strategies. I, I would are, say that's, they're not the healthiest of strategies though, but I mean, any, any, there's no atheist in a foxhole, right? Like anything that works in the beginning to mm-hmm. keep you from, you know. Well, to and keep I, you seems to be helpful unless that thing is meth or something. Don't do that. Don't do that. But you know. I think also boundaries and triggers. So, so in the beginning, there's a lot of triggers. I don't feel like I have too many triggers. I don't. I can't mm-hmm. think of any triggers that I have now. There's nothing that really, you know, makes me. There are things that make me sad or longing for my youth when I was able to be so capricious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I don't, I think it's, I think triggers turn into boundaries for me, right? So the things that used to freak me out or the things that would scare me, I go, that's just not what I do. Like, I don't go into a place unless I have business being there. So I don't just wander into a bar. Yeah. Right. I set my boundaries up with, I don't tolerate people who are overly intoxicated, certainly no. not in my house. And certainly when I'm out, I'm very clear and vocal about the um what i will accept and the kind of behavior i'll accept 
you know, I mean, even you know, when yeah. I was talking with somebody and like, hey, we were going to meet up and I, I texted and I was like, so how much have, have you been drinking? I know you've been out to dinner. I said, are you drunk? Because I don't want to hang. I mean, basically, I just need to know uh, yeah. what kind of what kind of mess uh, I'm getting into. Hanging out, hanging out with your drunk ass right now. So I love you, but <laughs> your drunk ass is a little too much for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, eh, the, I it's funny because I didn't have my boundaries and I still, I don't really necessarily, I have some boundaries now, I guess. My boundaries are more out of personal respect. Like, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be really open to you being like, have a drink, come on, you know. But people never do that to me anyway. And and if you knew me in my personal life, I'm pretty good at shutting that kind of shit down. You know, I'd just call a fucker out, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think in the beginning, it, actually the first few years, my big boundary was just like, don't bring jim beam in my house that was it don't bring evan williams or jim beam because those were the two motherfuckers you know like beer whatever you want to drink beer that's fine you know like you want to drink wine i don't care vodka i don't care gross whiskey jack daniels all that shit's gross i'm not drinking that but those the bourbons like those two especially i remember my wife came home with a big bag of these little airplane bottles of booze a friend gave her and there were there was a bottle of Jim Beam in there, and I had like over eighteen months at that point, and she was like going through the bag and lining them all up, you know, to see what she at her little takeaway home was, and uh, I was just like, "Yo, dude, like I don't know why, but that just makes me feel really itchy. Like, can we get rid of that one?" And she's all, "Yeah, sure," and just tossed it. You know, it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, those airplane bottles lasted her like months, <laughs> months. Crazy mm-hmm. woman. Yeah, it makes no sense. But so my boundaries in the beginning were just like, don't push me personally. Like, it's not fun. It's not funny to me. I don't think it's cute. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to acquiesce and be like, oh, fuck yeah, and have a shot. And then all of a sudden I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a pair of oversized sunglasses and I'm the coolest fucking guy in the room. Like, it doesn't work out that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you maintain, yeah. how do you maintain those boundaries? That's the second part while respecting the freedom of of choice of others to drink well i mean that goes without being said right don't i'm not going to be a fucking dick to you if you're drinking if you're not going to be a dick to me if i'm not drinking so we're cool Mm -hmm. i mean honestly and and it's not even a conscious maintenance anymore i just i'm around it 24 7 i will always be around alcohol there's there's no way that i will not be around alcohol unless i have some major life change and i live in a year on a fucking mountain and never speak to anybody again Alcohol will always be a constant presence in my life in one form or another, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the fact that I'm in recovery and I, I, I have a podcast where we talk about alcohol, you know what I mean? Like, and coping with alcohol, like there's no way that the concept of that will ever not be in my life in this society. So mm-hmm. I have to respect it. I can respect it to an extent. Don't be a sloppy fucking mess Yeah. around me. You want to be a sloppy mess? You have every right to do that in your own time. But if you're in my zone, I'm just going to bounce. I'm gonna be yeah. like late. If I late. have to go to a if I have to go to a function with work people or something like that, I yeah. go I go early and I always leave early, man. I think right. you said it. You just got to get used to leaving early. And I stole <clears> that from Leanne and Jerry. That's like my mom and dad's best advice. Not the best they've ever given me, but that was really valuable advice to me. It was go early, leave early. My mom always says I I leave around the time people start repeating themselves and we're out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's great advice. And so you know, and I have to be, honestly understand that like i may have to just go it alone and be a rogue and be like yo megan you want to take a cab home here's some cash but i gotta bounce you know Mm -hmm. like i can't deal with this this is too much yeah she understands that she usually is cool with it she's like let's go then i don't need to be around here anyway yeah um i think too if you've got a work function or if you're meeting friends for drinks again Mm -hmm. you can go i mean once i've had my third club soda i usually have to pee and there's not much more to discuss right <laughs> in the meeting you know what i mean it really isn't yeah you're like it's pp time mm-hmm. i gotta go i uh yeah i just don't i don't see it and as far as other people drinking i've only had it happen a couple of times where people are more they're more sensitive about me not drinking than i am about them drinking so they're like is yeah it, it's, is it okay it's if i yeah if i get a glass of wine i was like you can have as much as you want you're like you're in Napa, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you go for it, please. I I will gladly. You you need a designated driver. I'll show you yeah. the all this beautiful countryside or whatever. So I don't. I find that if you, I mean, if I were, if I felt like I was gonna drink, I wouldn't. I wouldn't join people who were drinking. 
But right. at this stage, yeah, I just would stay. I would avoid those things. I would, you know, yeah. and and people who, who who are my friends, I would hope would say, sure, well, let's meet for breakfast or let's meet early in the day before all this shit starts happening. If right. that's what if that's what you're into, so I just don't put myself in those situations. I mean, that's how I would maintain those those needs of staying sober is just that's a you, great answer you have yeah. to play and like you said play it through play it through so if i go and if i'm stuck somewhere and then now i'm anxious and now i'm uncomfortable and now i'm irritable and discontent and well i guess i'm stuck here i might as well get a drink and you know in these the day of uber and lyft and stuff you're never really stuck anywhere you know right but, you're not um, no Mm-mm. But be have a clear exit plan if you're going to be out and about. I mean, I think that has something to do with it. And also, there's no reason to be judgmental of other people who can drink. Um, I know you said that you felt a lot of resentment in the beginning. but Yeah, but I was fucking super crazy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm still crazy, just less. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I was really emotionally erratic in the beginning. So I was really entitled and looking for someone to blame. Like, that was it. And it... You know, it was, it, but yes, in the beginning, I absolutely would resent people and I had to work that out. That That's a Jerry problem. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a me problem. That's got nothing to do with them. It's a human problem, you know. Word. Um, Word. How has saying no to drinking transformed your thinking about what you say no to in general? I'm glad you got to that one. That do you feel your too, thinking right? has changed? Yes. Um. You want to take that one? No, you take it first. So I think... <laughs> I think, how has my thinking changed? I think it's easier. I'm a very amenable, it's easier to say no now. I'm a very amenable person. I'm always wanting to make sure that everybody that I'm around is comfortable. Oftentimes to to my own detriment, you know, like if I can just make sure that everybody's happy and that's just my nature as a person to try and make others happy. And so when it comes to something like alcohol, this is non-negotiable for me anymore yeah. for the rest of my life. I cannot drink. I will not drink. I don't have to drink. I think that's also a big, that's an important um, uh, definer is that I don't have to anymore. I used to have to. I have. I would have to every day. And so when it comes time to saying no to, to things I don't want to do, I'm much more clear in my head now that I'm not drinking, but I'm also very clear about what I want and what I don't want. And when something comes up and it's not 100% yes, then I go... Well, that's that's a no, and every time that I don't follow through with that no, every time that I think, oh, well, maybe it ends up being a disaster. So yeah. uh, I have learned over years of repetition um, that it's okay to say no, it's okay to have those boundaries, and that they they are there for a reason that you yeah you need them mm-hmm. because there's there's a whole other world that's opening up to you when you get sober. And if you don't create those boundaries to keep the alcohol and the alcoholic behavior out, excuse me, you won't have opportunity to go through those open doors to the other stuff that's on the other side. Right. Yeah. It's a dampener. Mm -hmm. You know, I I say no to drinking. How has it transformed uh, what I think about saying no to things in general, just in like a really pragmatic way, like. Me saying no to drinking and then being able to not drink for the period of time that I have not had alcohol has shown has been a lesson to me that I can say no to other things in my life that are causing me harm or doing me, you know what I mean, doing me in a negative way. And it's I've always used quitting drinking as the watermark. So I quit smoking, you know, like and and yeah, I use the vaporizer, but I mean, I quit like smoking cigarettes, right? Mm -hmm. So I still have a dependence on nicotine, but that cigarette was hard to quit. Like I changed my diet and the way I ate because in my mind I thought, well, if I can quit drinking, then I can I can count my calories. I can be aware of what I'm doing. I can have a discipline because I'm already working a discipline. You know, now I'm just working a different type of program with a different aspect of my life. Um, I felt like saying no all these years to it because at this point we're not even at saying no. My whole personality isn't like I'm just a hand up no. It's just I just don't. You know, but it's empowered me a lot. It really has. It really has empowered me quite a bit. It's shown me like I've seen the depths of how sad I can get and how hard it can get. And now I've seen like what I'm able, capable of, 
you know mm-hmm. and can i be capable of more maybe i don't know but the where i'm at now in my life i'm like wow that's amazing you just did that you just i just hiked a fucking buke a butte <laughs> buke i rebuke the butte <laughs> but i just like hiked skinner's butte here in eugene and that's nothing to most people but to me like to go out in nature and walk around and walk up a hill like i don't do that that is not a jerry wagner thing the That's answer is yes, Jerry. You are capable. You will be and capable. Absolutely. Do you know what I'm saying? So it has transformed my thinking. And it is my thinking has absolutely changed as well. Like the way I perceive things now with this clearer head and that 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 knowledge of my strength is really changed the way I think about a lot of things. Now mm-hmm. I can see like my actions and what I do that's negative and what I do that's positive. It's it's you know. I hate to be the cheerleader for it, but I'm also happy to be the cheerleader for it. But it's changed everything. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's keep doing this because this is working. You know, this is mm-hmm. really working. So what do I do with that? Um, I don't know. I'll hike the butte some more. See, I'll see y'all in the butte, motherfuckers. Watch. Do it. I, 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 <laughs> I am a huge champion of um, going out hiking. for walks and, and I know, hiking I love it. and nature. It's- if you check out my Instagram, I often will uh, put, and then, you know, I guess I can plug it here, but Sonic John 000. Um, yeah, follow always... John on Instagram because his fucking <laughs> stories are delight. John loves animals. You need a farm. Your your Instagram stories, you hiking, like they bring me joy. Like mostly I look at Instagram and I feel like upset because Instagram is real garbage, dude. Mm-hmm. And I have to use it. It's unavoidable. I have to use it for work. But your shit like makes me happy. I'm like, look at that cat. Is that a, the same cat or is that a different cat? Dude, I don't know sometimes. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I come across like I was staring at this cow and I was like, why is this cow kind of staring back at me so close? And then I realized her calf was right there. And I was like, I'm not yeah. here to fuck with things. Like, I'm right. just taking a picture. And you just so, thought you were sharing a Zen moment with an animal and realized, no, it's just like, don't, don't, don't ever talk to me or my son again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or my son's son or my son's son's son. Yeah. So, um, so I, I highly suggest nature. Um, next one. How do you navigate friendship breakups in small sobriety circles? So these are That's people a, that have that have already everyone specific. Everyone's, yeah. Well, I, I I have a thought on this one. Yeah. And my thought is, um, when we when we are drinking, it is easy to make friends because we go, oh. You drink, I drink. That's all we really need, right? Bam, we just became best friends. We just became yeah. best friends, right? So when you get sober, you immediately hear about somebody else who gets sober and you think we're connected, right? I can mm-hmm. but I have found that I still don't get along with everybody. I don't I'm not right. I don't think I'm meant mm-hmm. to get along with every people are not meant to get along with everybody. And so there are things that you are going to find about people. There are, there are other issues that people are going to have. So whether or not they're still drunk doesn't mean that they're not um, shitty in other ways. There's just a <laughs> there's a general um, it, it could just be some sort of general shittiness or people make bad decisions or people make mistakes or people are unwilling to to be in relationships and friendships that are they're not available for it yet, whether or not they've they're sober or not. So right, right. I think that how do you how do you navigate it? Well, if the friends have broken up and you friends with some, I mean, just in the same way that you would if you were drink. Well, not the same way that you would if you were drinking, but um, just just knowing, I just know that I'm not meant to be friends with every single sober person in the world. That does right. not immediately make you. Um, close to me or a kindred spirit. Now I, I do understand your struggle. And if there's some way I can help you in that aspect, yes. You know, if we can discuss it, if you need help to not drink that, I would love to discuss. But as far as you and I hanging out, getting coffee, going to see Endgame, it's not going to happen. I'm not interested in that. And there's no, you know, so I don't know about the breakup. I don't know the, the, all the stories, the, the details, dirty, the bloody deets. I don't know those, but I mean, right. How do you deal with friend breakups as it is? I mean, try not to take right. sides. I th- right. I think also part of the question is uh, small sobriety circles, right? Like if you're in a small recovery community and you got to go to your home group mm. every day and that person that you're no longer friends with is in that home group, how do you navigate that? And, I, you know, it's a difficult question because I haven't really had any friendship breakups because i don't really have a lot of friends in recovery Mm -hmm. and that's mostly because of me i'm just i'm like really socially fucking awkward in all honesty like i'm just 
I want to like make friends with everybody and sit down, hang out, and you know, drink coffee and eat ribs and stuff or whatever they do. Coffee or and whatever ribs. we do. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but for me, I think I feel like in in a small recovery community, it's always best that if if you're with this person and you have so much um, abrasion between each other, it may be best to just try to find another group you know it's kind of like fight I club mean, you go to these meetings on these days and you marla goes to the meetings and jack yeah, goes to the exactly. other meetings yeah exactly i mean that that may be the best just for your mental health in that period of time now i mean i feel like the idea behind um not the idea but one of the best parts about being in recovery is being able to navigate through life without causing too many ripples mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's it's a really specific question. I you're like my only friend. You and the guys I work with, and those guys, <laughs> none of those guys are really in recovery. I mean, you know, some, you know, a couple maybe, but you know. I think, well, I I think that I think the idea of going to a different meeting because here's the here's the thing too with the meetings is I, there's nothing wrong with trying a new one because you never know what you might find and you might find different right. people and Word. maybe it's time to move on. We all grow and we all change and it might be good. I mean, it might be, you know, it might be a sign that it's time for you to move on. You yeah. know, you could, you could look at it that way and see what other opportunities have for you at the next one down the road or the the Thursday meeting instead of the Monday meeting or whatever it is. Yeah. So, so I, I just don't think... Just, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just don't think sobriety equals... Um, you know, kindred spirit all the time. Word, yeah. And right. I would say just approach it with uh, some tenderness. <clears throat> try a little tenderness, mm-hmm. you know? Like, try to approach it with just being gentle and being really aware of the situation. And you may have to be the person who makes the sacrifice for the betterment of everybody or even for the betterment of yourself. How about that? Yeah. I just did, like, the, the hand, like, the explanation mm-hmm. hand. like for mm-hmm. the, Nobody can see it, but it's like a snake striking. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when, when of Gordon Ramsay talks about the, we're going to. Yeah, exactly. I'm Gordon Ramsay in, it in my little <laughs> office up here. But if for the betterment of just yourself, for your own well-being, mm-hmm. you may have to avoid this person. It doesn't have to be permanent. You know, the things change people even out sometimes i hate people and then love them a week later yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't happen often but it happens sometimes this person also asked um how do i find your podcast on my stupid android phone sos and <laughs> let me just say as an apple person i don't think your your android phone is stupid um i don't take sides in that particular uh thing Man, i wish but... i had an android but I have just the answer. You can you can um, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and <laughs> you can find that on Android, yeah. Apple, or um, you know, Cricket, Nokia, Linux. Crick, did I say Cricket? I said Cricket. Yeah, you um, said you said Linux, but I think it's Linux. Li- Linux, Linux, yeah. Linux, Linux. Um, but YouTube, Linux, um, Spotify. Um, there's all kind. Of, I think it's on Google Play too. Mm-hmm. So. But yes, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And we're It'll still on SoundCloud too, right? SoundCloud, yes, you can. Hell yeah, we're getting our fucking faces <laughs> tattooed. <laughs> I won't eat Xanax, but I'll eat a shitload of Tic Tacs. Mm-hmm. Don't ever. Fuck uh, it. If I ask you to tattoo my face, Jerry, just don't do it. All right, I'll absolutely do it though. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> what's the uh, next okay, one you got? So I got one that was it's it's kind of program related, but I'm I'm curious about it because I have a weird answer to it. Okay. And it was how difficult was your four step? I'm approaching my four step, and it's intimidating. Um, well, I, for those people who don't know, a four step is basically you are taking a an inventory of personal inventory, of- and it's an inventory. The way that it was described to me, it's not just I need you to write down all the bad shit you've ever done in your life. Although, when you go doing this personal inventory that's what comes out when you think about all of the things that you are resentful toward then you start to see the actions that were um that came from the actions and the habits and the behaviors that came from those resentments Mm -hmm. so if you were a liar and a cheater and a thief you know and you 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 did all these horrible things to all these horrible to all these people um and you start to go, well, why did I want to steal that? Well, I was resentful toward my boss because I didn't make enough money. Or I was resentful toward my husband or my wife. Or I was resentful toward the bank. Or I was resentful toward my mortgage. And for whatever reason, you know. And so you start to realize not just, 
I want you to tell me all the reasons you're a terrible person. Write them down for me. It's about finding the core, um, for me, about finding the core uh, um, reasoning for my behavior. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that can be intimidating, not because it's like this horrible homework assignment, but we don't change is difficult and and yeah. people people don't like to change. And this is where, you know, I've always said that there's this certain like where pain meets change. That's where the growth that like that corner is where growth mm -hmm. happens when the when the pain hits the change, then you're able to grow. And so I think that right. I think that's what the thing with the fourth step is not. Don't think of it as all the bad shit you've ever done. Think about yeah, it's it not as your confession. No, <laughs> no. We're just trying to get to the root of why you behave in the that you have behaved in the way that you have in the past. Right. I look at it like so. <clears throat> it took me three fucking years to do my fourth step, and like <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm I'm like for a little over four and a half years sober right now, and I'm I officially am still in the middle of like a fifth step. Um, but at this point I've, I took me so long to do the damn four step that I just do them in my head. Now I don't really mm -hmm. write them down very often, but I, what I found valuable in it was this pattern of behavior. Eventually I felt like Nicholas Cage and national treasure, dude. I just started seeing the patterns and his Illuminati patterns that made me fuck things up all the time. You know, mm -hmm. I like that. You're laughing at that one. Cause you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I, I do, but I've never seen the movie, but I, I no, neither have I, though. that's oh, okay. the funny part, but I know, I, I know this, uh, the plot enough, you know, like he finds the patterns man and that's i found these patterns of these things that my motivations for my resentments you know they're based in fear or jealousy and even jealousy was too complex i had to break that down into why i was jealous what do i have to stand to lose what am i afraid of losing what am i angry about you know like and i see these patterns and i go oh, fuck that's that's why i drink right and that's that common question we hear a lot i've heard a lot you've heard a lot you've asked me that i've asked my wife that why do i drink why do i drink and that's what that four step is. It's kind of your motivator. Mm -hmm. Like what motivates you not only to drink, but to just kind of do these repetitive negative actions that kind of fuck your world up a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. fuck your world up a lot sometimes. <clears throat> so for me, it took me a long time to do because I hate homework and I'm lazy. And I was like really scared that it was like this long list of confessions. And I haven't done that much bad shit. I've done pretty much average run-of-the-mill bad shit i never really robbed anybody too much or anything you know mm -hmm. like you know so i mean i just had to contend with all that and kind of get down and wrestle with it, it it'll be all right i f i feel like i'm i can't guarantee that you'll feel better afterwards but i bet you will a little bit i bet you once you start mm -hmm. seeing it then you see your motivator and you can recognize it coming and then you can you change go, your oh, behavior word it's exactly what it is and then once, once you recognize it you know when I change my behavior, then my days got better and people, mm -hmm. you know, the people I interacted with, they were, they were nicer and kinder to me. And that's when things, it just got better and better. So, um, right. just, and to go to the next question, which does it get better? Yeah. <laughs> the answer Fuck is, yeah. the simple answer is yes. I mean, I wouldn't be, if it didn't get better, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this fucking mm -hmm. podcast every Monday night, sitting here in this office being like. You should you should get on the fucking water wagon with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're not telling you that because we need more people on the water wagon. Mm -mm. We're telling you that because it gets better up here. It really does. It takes a while. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it's slow. But I don't. Yeah. I I I can't ever imagine the worst day I've had in the last three and a half years. Mm -hmm. um, and I know this is this sounds so cliche, but. It's better than the the best day I ever had drunk, you know. And I say yeah. that because because it's not a isolated incident. I can't think about like there was that one magical day that weekend on the river where we just drank Coors Light and floated, and everything was beautiful, and there were no problems, right. and that was amazing. And then the one time I was sober, and everything went to shit, and I, you know. So it's it's part of a whole package of your life. So yeah. for me. I think that um, it's – I would never want to go back to that. I can't imagine a bad day where I want to go back to that life. And so mm -hmm. it, it just continues to get better, you know? I mm – -hmm. um, yeah. every single day, different things that are happening that I would not be able to have been a part of if I were right. still drinking. Right. I probably wouldn't – 
You wouldn't what? I was going to say I probably I wouldn't be alive. No, I would not be wearing this sweater. Um, it's but a nice I would sweater. I would be very sick, and I'd be very, I'd be sick and and really tired and and mm-hmm. not well if I was still drinking. Right. I don't know, man. It does. <clears throat> it does get better, and it's not like <clears throat> like I can't guarantee anyone out there that you'll be happy forever. Like it's it's hard to it's life. Mm-hmm. You can't be happy all the time. Yeah. But it does get better. It it becomes more manageable, and isn't that better? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a fucking parade every day, and we're, you know, all eating ice cream every single day? Probably not. But I mean, life—you're not guaranteed that shit. And don't anyway. do you're that, not entitled Jerry. To those things. I did what? that. I ate ice cream every day. And look and what I... happened. Yeah, diarrhea <laughs> all oh, the I had, time. It was. It's it's <laughs> fine. It's fine if it keeps uh, you from drinking. I'm yeah. just telling you, it is not a sustainable, long-term solution. Ice cream will not do it for you. I did it. No. Please. It's 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 really bad. Um, Maybe walk. Walk while you're eating it. Just yeah. walk while you're eating ice cream. You're only allowed to eat ice cream while you're walking. Walking. So you just walk around the neighborhood with a bowl <laughs> and a spoon just going on your nightly walk. Two miles. You'll eat that ice cream before the second mile. you just have to carry an empty bowl around like a I'll dummy. just put the bowl on the side of the road. Oh, yeah. I'll get that on Pick the way back. Pick it on the way back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But no, you're not guaranteed happiness. Mm-mm. But not not even with drinking, you're not guaranteed happiness. Yeah. Not even with doing drugs, you're not guaranteed happiness. You can take fucking Xanax every fucking day. You won't be happy. You'll just mm-hmm. be fucking conked out. But it gets better in that it becomes more manageable. And that is an improvement. Like it's either, like, I don't know, you either get like the hut full of flies and roaches and scorpions or you get the hut that just has flies in it. You know what I mean? I'd rather have the hut with the flies. This is a weird-ass analogy. <laughs> but like... You know, it's improves. It improves. Yes, it improves. Maybe absolutely improves. Mm-hmm. It yes, does. dude. I would not be sitting here doing this podcast if it didn't improve. No. I'd be like, fuck that. Fuck this. Yeah, if I was angry all the time. I mean, I just got yeah. to go down and and you, I was able to talk to a um, an artist and an author um, and a great guy uh, by the name of Mishka Shubali. And Jerry, it was on Jerry's... Um, on his Spotify playlist is one of his songs. And so this guy was, I got to see him perform. He, he sat down and did the podcast with me in his hotel room the next morning. And we talked about sobriety and, um, just basically we talked about the human condition and his, his journey. Cause he doesn't su- subscribe or prescribe to any particular program. Uh, he's very much, uh, he talks about doing it on self-will and all this other stuff, yeah. but mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to reach out to him. There would have been, if I was still drinking, I would be listening to his music alone in my room, something that he wrote 15 years ago going, yeah, woo, you know, and yeah. um, the, while I was singing some sad song and really not even, you know, thinking about the hangover I was going to have the next day. And instead I got to go down there and sit with somebody and have a genuine like really cool interaction with somebody. And that wouldn't have been the case. I also wouldn't have had the money to, um, to get a hotel room to go and see this guy play and perform in a different town from where I live. You would have had that money. And thank you, Patreon patrons for, for being a part of that as well. So that's Mm -hmm. part of what we get to do here. Um, so better. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, we might say we're like NPR. <laughs> What's next, Jerry? What's the next one? What do you I, got? I, I, you got I don't have one. any more recovery ones. You got Those well. The there's there's, there's one the one three parter. I got another one here. Okay, <clears throat> what's the third part? Let's, let's okay. eat that meat. This is from. Um, tell me the most unusual thing that has come from your sobriety. That's a that's a thinker, isn't it? What I, is, do you have an answer? I, uh, well, just, it's like you so, dropped a stink bomb in the room. We both just got quiet <laughs> as fuck because now we're thinking. It's not a bad question. The un- an most unusual question. thing, I think there are these moments and a lot of people will call them uh, God shots. And yeah. um, they're these little epiphanies and coincidences and these little feelings and sparks from whether I was reading something about sobriety in some of the literature or meeting with somebody or um, or just having an awesome day and going, wow, this is what it feels like to feel good and being so just awestruck by it. And so yeah. I don't get them all the time and I don't they don't happen very often. 
but they never happened when I was drinking yeah. or drugging, you know. That's a great answer. Um yeah. Getting to getting to go and um getting to go and sit down and have a do an interview with an author who I respect and admire when the hell that that was very unusual. I yes. hope that it I hope that it becomes more and more usual. I mean, that's the plan, but Yes. Um that was pretty amazing. Um I don't know, Jerry, what's the most unusual thing? I was thinking like there's this this I have this thing. It's like this duality. It's like this sense of these dual emotions, right? And in the past, I would get really conflicted. I didn't really have them. That was very shallow. Like my emotions were pretty shallow. But I guess a good example of this dual emotion thing is like every day I, I like every few days I'll drive to the little ATM by my house over at the Safeway and I put money in, you know, to pay bills. And there's mm-hmm. a Safeway there, and then there's this bar right across there called the Highlands. And I see all these people out there in front of the Highlands smoking and talking loud and hollering. And I can hear the shitty kid rock coming out of the open door, (laughs) you know, or yellow wolf or whatever. And I have this dual feeling where I feel this empathy and I feel sad. Like I feel this like kind of sadness, like, wow, man. And I'm not saying they're all alcoholics. I'm just saying just in general, I look at that dark, stanky bar and I'm like, wow, that's, that's fucking sad, you know, like. It's a, such a beautiful day and you're out there getting fucking loaded. And then there's this other feeling that I'm like, carry on, carry on, lone soldier. Like, uh, it's so weird, man. I feel this kinship still with the active alcoholic. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I do. And I also feel an empathy. And it's not like I feel sorry for a motherfucker that they're pathetic. I just feel like I've been in the shit with them. So it's it's really weird. Like, I'll see a drunk-ass homeless dude stumbling around blackout and i like feel a kinship to him i feel like he and i are cut from a similar cloth and i'm always like good job wayward soldier like mm-hmm. hope you make it somewhere we can fall asleep safely you know like so that's a new that's very unusual because usually back in the day i'd see a bum and be like get the fuck out of the way you know like no i got nothing for you you know or i'd see people in front of a bar and be like i want to be in that bar and now i see the bar and i'm like i don't I absolutely don't really want to be there and but they can do that for me, I guess, until they're ready to not do that anymore. That's how I feel like they're doing it for me. Is that weird? Uh, no, that I mean, I think weird. that I think it's I think that's fine. I think that's a great way to think about it because let them do it for you, so you don't have to. Exactly. That's why I'm always like, carry on, mm-hmm. drink some water, drink some water. <laughs> damn it, you're gonna regret it tomorrow. Drink a little water. Yeah, and I think that we all we all live in this this duality of of drinking and not drinking. We've we've lived these two separate lives, and they're very right. vastly different. So, um, yeah, I don't see that's it's. I think it's always going to be that way mm-hmm. for me. Um, how has your view of yourself changed? I like me now, dude. I you know what's really mm-hmm. funny, and it's I don't. It may have to do with the weight loss too, and the working out. But like I, I like get out of the shower and I look at myself in the mirror, no clothes on. And I'm like, dang, dog, you look good. I like you, dude. Like you're cool. I'm like, you're a sexy dude. You look good. I like you. I like, but not even just physically. Like I like myself now, and I, I can be really self-aware now and understand that like that's really unusual. To, well, I've always been self-aware, but to a fault. Like where I wouldn't be able to do anything because I was self-conscious, and now I'm more like, oh, I'm. Which ties in the fourth step. I'm like, oh, I'm doing this because of this, and I need mm-hmm. to take a step back. But I really like myself. I'm almost ready to love myself. So, almost. That's almost. Corny, but it's true. It's true, though. <laughs> well, it's it, absolutely true. I think it's a it's a testament to how long it takes and how slow it can go sometimes. And yes. you know, I wanted to ask you too about when you talk about having no shirt on and being like, I like you. You look good. You know, I mean, you that good, took dog. you that yeah. took you a long time to get there. A year at least, yeah. And so oh, a, a year, a yeah. year of of just, um, and but you were sober for three years before you even before thought that, about that. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so you were. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just I say this because I don't. I really hope that people understand that being in the process is, it's an every single fucking day thing, and yes. um, those moments where you're you're like, yeah, man, I'm doing great. I'm feeling good. I mean, there, there was a year's worth of work that came, that went with that, a year's worth of making decisions and, 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 you know, being, making choices for yourself and having boundaries and having a defined thing. I just don't eat that. I just don't drink that. That's just not who I am. And that took a very long time and years 
So yes. to get to the point where you were willing to spend a year to get to that, to get to the point you're right. at now. Right. And I'm not denying myself anything. I'm just denying myself all of it <laughs> as far as the way I eat, you yeah. know, I mean, drinking. Yes. I'm, there's absolute absence from drinking because I, I mean, you know, we have this thing in our head that makes us not stop, mm -hmm. but like, like those disciplines, they're just disciplines, but they're disciplines I enjoy. That's the mm -hmm. weird thing is. I used to say I could never join the military because I have no discipline. And now, like, every day I'm like, I like myself because I'm like, wow, dude, you have a discipline now and you follow it. And I feel like when I don't follow through my discipline, like, I feel uncomfortable. Like, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, part of my day is missing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I feel like it's a real positive thing. And I see you doing it as well. And yeah. this isn't like the weight loss podcast or anything. It's just a matter of this daily maintenance. That's all it is. It's, it's just, the first time because a lot of, <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of what recovery, what, what it happens is it's all in your head. And so, right. um, the, and we talked to, I talked about this with Mishka on the, on the podcast. It'll be coming out in probably a couple of weeks, but, uh, about the drunk that you are. And he wrote it in his book about the drunk that you are in your head and the person you are, the drunk that you are to the world are two vastly different mm -hmm. people. And oh, yeah, trying dude. to be, and most, a lot of people, when you go to apologize to them, I got this where they're like, yeah, you don't really have anything to apologize about. You're fine. And I was like, what? I thought I was a complete asshole. <clears throat> and so when you try to, um, when I try to put the two together, the person I am inside my head and the person I'm becoming, and then realize the person outside, for me, the weight loss was the first time where I could see the physical is like a physical manifestation of the work that I've put in word. And so mm -hmm. I think, and that took however long that took, that took years and years to get to, yeah. to even a point where, and I'm not, I'm not happy yet. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happier than I was six months ago, but I'm really looking forward to, you know, have you been doing this for six months now? Yeah. Or has it been longer? Six months. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's to me, it's a physical manifestation of the work that I put in every single day. So although I don't always see it when I look in the mirror, I don't always see it, you know, the recovery part of it in my head. Um, this is a part of it. And yeah. for anybody who wants it, and that's the thing. Do you want it? I didn't want it for a long time. I was fine to be yeah. like, well, I'm just sober and I'll deal with the other shit, you know, and then you start Everything to want it. Yeah. You got to <clears> like. Don't do it all at once. We've said that before. Like you said, do you want it? Yeah. And you were sober at the time and you had to maintain everything in a step. It's not like you can, you take a, a fucking foreclosed home that's been gutted out. You mm -hmm. don't just fix it all in a day, man. You got to like go through and fix the foundation and then reframe the walls. And it's a process. Of, yeah. And and even at the end of this process, I, I can't speak for John, but I'm not looking for perfection. I'm just looking to make myself feel better. Yeah. And, once again, I don't have to be happy all the time. I just have to be content or at least understand that when I'm in pain and unhappy, this is part of the learning process. Because I've been listening to this audio book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And for some reason, that's swaying all my answers today. <laughs> but it's true, though. The whole pain and the whole discomfort and the unhappiness, that's part of the process. That's your body learning. You're learning, man. I mean, that's how you learn to not touch a hot stove is because it burns. So and don't touch that no more. Yeah. You learned a lesson. And who, who the hell am I to, to judge whether or not a situation or an experience is good or bad for me? I don't get to know that. No, not till you do it, I guess, you know? What I mean? <clears throat> well, no, like, but I mean, I just mean, like you said, if you're having a bad experience, what is, what am I being taught here? What am I, what is, what is right. the learning experience? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Because like, oh gosh, this is terrible. And then, or, you know, when you like those, those times where you get stuck in traffic and you're late for something and then you realize, well, if I had been on time, if I'd left right on time, I would have been in that accident instead of being late and blah, blah, blah. Right. I feel right. like I don't get to know about that stuff until later. And then I go, oh, geez, that's why I missed this or didn't get what I wanted. Um, right. You know, because I didn't get the job I wanted. Then that means that um, I got the job that I needed or that I thought that I wanted and whatever. So yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's none of my business. <laughs> I don't no. get to know that. Yeah. No, you don't. Mm -mm. And I think that that's. You don't. Fuck you, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, that comes to the third part of this, this question was what strategies or coping mechanisms, mechanisms have you found stumbled upon or hit you like a ton of bricks? <clears throat> and I would just say the one thing that I've learned 
Um, the biggest thing that I've learned is acceptance, and we've ta- we've discussed yeah. this one before because I think everything else in recovery for me has revolved around accepting things. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm accepting right. myself as I am now, or accepting the pain that I have to go through, or accepting the learning experience that I'm just really fucking tired of learning about, but. <laughs> You know, because we have those days, too, where you're like, God, does everything have to be a goddamn learning experience? Yeah, I would say I don't know if we're the I I would say we're not the greatest face of recovery, but (laughs) like it's not like we're John and I walking around smiling all fucking day long, like everything's great, you know, but you know what it was for me, dude, it was um, letting go and letting go of control. mm -hmm. That was me. That was my like that was that ton of bricks moment where I realized the first time I let go of control and walked away and I couldn't micromanage what was happening to me or around me and I could walk away from it and then be okay with it. That's when I was like, wow, I'm growing. Holy shit. I'm growing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't need to. And I still micromanage everything. Megan said I was the helicopter dog dad because we're the dog park and my dog's acting like a dick to everybody. And I'm like, yo, stop being a dick. And every time he'd bark at another dog, I'd like get up like Coco chill. And Megan's like, dude, you're being a helicopter dad, but instead of Olive, it's the dog now, you know? Like, And I'm like, I'm the fucking king of the dog park. You don't know. I run this shit. But I don't, and I need to let that shit go. So I, I just like, in my brain, I just pictured myself with two hands just letting it go, and then I felt much better. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm growing up, man. Damn. It's all grown up. All grown up. Jerry, when should I practice a 13th step appropriately? I don't even... Is there ever an appropriate time? Can you can to, you explain what a thirteen step is roughly for so people? So in the program, the thirteen step is a, is a, a slang term for having sex with another member of the program who's a newcomer. It's kind of fucked up, actually. I mean, the question's kind of funny. I understand the humor in it, but the idea of a thirteen step is kind of fucked up in that it's like taking advantage of someone who isn't emotionally ready to like to even go through any shit like that right now Mm -hmm. but i would say if you're gonna 13 step anyone just 13 step yourself like if you're a man (laughs) go get a flashlight and then 13 Mm -hmm. step that flashlight you can even draw a little you know 12 step symbol on the top of it and bang that and Mm -hmm. if you're a lady well i don't know get one of those back massagers that they advertise in the 13 step that 13 step that yeah don't be messing around with no newcomers yet this is just my opinion if someone's new to recovery like I don't know, man. I just feel it's like not what they taking need. advantage of someone. Yeah, they don't need it. I, and, I, but this is just my opinion. But you got 13 steps, someone, do it Do it to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the only appropriate way, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And stop there's... being gross. It's not funny. Don't be gross. <laughs> don't be gross. Don't be a cochino. cochino. Mm-hmm. Don't be yeah. dirty. But yeah, I, I think that, you know, they also say one of the things is, you know, don't get into a relationship within the first year of your sobriety. Well, that shit is wild, right? Right. But I was yeah. already married, so. But, but everybody, you know, and I don't say everybody, but I hear often people who do it all the time, people who meet and you know meet in recovery, and people who get married, and people who have kids in recovery, and yeah. <clears throat> so you never know, and and again, you can't tell an al- or you can tell an alcoholic, but you can't tell him much. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That so, needs to go on a fucking coat of uh, potholder. Anyway. A potholder. I don't know. And put it on a satin jacket. Um, so, so yeah, I think that that's, I don't think there's any appropriately, I don't think there's any, there's nothing appropriate about it. I mean, when you're a newcomer in recovery, the last thing you want to do is think about, um, being in a relationship or dealing because, you know, sex might be something that's also, um, part of what you need to recover from. Right. Right. You know, and that's Dude, this person with like a few weeks or a, not even a not even a month, not even a week does not need old fucking beanbag Jimmy coming up <laughs> and trying to fuck around with him or old fucking biker Tony coming in with his fucked up ponytail. Cream like, cherry George. Yeah. yeah, cream cherry George being like, Hey, I'll fucking we'll go read the twelve and twelve. No, dude don't I mean the question I understand it's funny, but it's <clears throat> don't be cochino. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it's it's really it's important that regardless of what kind of what kind of recovery program you're a part of that it should be a place where people can come and feel they should be able to feel safe and comfortable and, and like they can get the support that they need. 
because it's Word. a really tough time. We all remember, and if we don't, we should, you know, look back on it every once in a while. We all remember being there and how hard it was to say yes yeah. to those things that we that changed our lives. Mm-hmm. So. And no one 13 stepped me, and I'm mad resentful about that. What am I ugly? <laughs> am I fucking ugly? I ain't ugly no more, motherfucker. No, I'm still ugly. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. Um, anyway, how how long does it take to fully recover, Jerry? That's a great question. Uh, that probably I imagine I'll be fully recovered when I die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because then I don't have to deal with being an alcoholic anymore. I'll just be space dust or fucking. That's a great question because they always ask me, Jerry, how long do you have to keep going to those meetings or how long do you have to, you know, keep doing that stuff? And I'm like, I hopefully for the rest of my life, you know, I may not go as much as I used to, but I still want to go. I want to be part of it. Now, recovery meetings don't have to be the same thing. No, but I think it's always a work in progress, right? If it, so, if this is a great question, actually, because if you're fully recovered, does that mean you get to go back to drinking again, or does that mean you just it the obsession's completely <laughs> lost? Or I mean, I don't know. I, I yeah. think that I think that if you are, <clears throat> excuse me, if you are, like you said, you have these disciplines, but you have to practice them every single day. So right. if you go, well, I've practiced my disciplines for um, six thousand seven hundred days, then now I'm ready to not be disciplined anymore. That's not right. because the satisfaction and the pleasure and the and the happiness that you get from those disciplines is what you're working toward every single day. So right. are you fully recovered and that, yeah, you don't, I wouldn't get to go back when I figured right. it all out and then right, I can, like, because the, I'll destroy everything that I've worked for. Right. You don't graduate. Mm-mm. You don't get a sash and a fucking pint of whiskey. No. You know, like, and so, and I understand some people do say they're fully recovered and they, it, more power to cool. them. Like I have no issue with that. If you feel yeah. like you've been fully recovered, but in my own personal opinion, I yeah. don't think I'll ever be fully recovered. I think it will always be a process of recovery. It's like that Louis CK joke where he says, you just do this every day. Mm-hmm. That thing where your knee gets fucked up and he's right. like, well, I only got to do this for a week or two. And the doctor's like, no, you do this for the rest of your life. For the rest so you of your feel life. Okay. Yeah. So I can feel okay. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to have this discipline. I would like to. I would prefer to. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. I mean, hopefully. So but. I think I think from both of us that I think the answer is it's entirely up to you. It's personal. I mean, <clears throat> whether or not you fully recovered. Right. You know, it's however you define it. And also we alcoholism as far as as far as i have been told by numerous people including myself is it's something you diagnose for yourself so if you're fully recovered then you're fully recovered man like diagnose yourself fully recovered then congratulations um but if we're being honest to ourselves if we are being upfront about our problems and our issues and our desire to drink and our desire to stop drinking um then you know then we know whether or not we have fully recovered so i just mm-hmm. i think that's i think it's a personal personal issue i was diagnosed as an alcoholic by two different doctors <laughs> well yes there's, there's seriously no by a psychiatrist he's like you're a fucking alcoholic i can't help you here's your money back and then when i broke my leg the doctor was ta- the nurse it was a nurse was taking all my mm-hmm. intake information asked me what my how much I drank and I told her and she's like oh so it's safe to say that you're an alcoholic then and I was like yes absolutely so I guess she didn't diagnose me she just assumed as much and how dare she assume I was I was I drank like a gentleman thank you a gentleman who fell leg. out the second story window and broke his jumped, leg on a bush jumped, oh, thank jumped. You. Let's, you I, didn't... I jumped thank oh you. and I wasn't, it was a choice. I wasn't sad I wasn't sad I just I was Batman and I was the knight no one understands. No, they don't. <laughs> you, you, the ambulance you, driver didn't understand. You, Nobody understood. You made a choice to jump out that window. Yes. Uh-huh. So Would I do it again? No. No. <laughs> yeah. I would do it all different. I would do it all different. That night, yes. What you got you got another question in there? I think we're almost Yeah, so these are I mean, I don't have any more recovery ones. Okay. I have a hey Jerry, did you watch the new Twin Peaks? Wasn't that <laughs> ending crazy? I haven't seen it. it no, I haven't sure either. I watched crazy. the first episode. And it was like two hours long, and then I, I, I don't know. I didn't. I just haven't caught up yet. I'd like to though because I love Twin Peaks. It's one of my favorite things. You know what? I speaking of Twin Peaks, I've been trying to teach myself how to um, speak backwards. Are you serious? <laughs> this is what you're doing with your fucking recovery time? It's not even recovery, just your time in life. Fuck the recovery <laughs> thing. You're just sitting in your kitchen, writing. So I've been seriously. Look, I'm writing like 
the words backwards so I can read uh-huh. them. <laughs> wow. I, are you recording it and then playing it to see if I'm gonna, it Yeah, out? I'm working on yeah. it so I can do like, you know, the, <laughs> the chewing gum yeah. you love is coming back into style. Or... I am the arm. Yeah, the Formica. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad everybody's got to have a hobby, man. So that's yours. <sighs> okay, and the second one was, hey, Jerry, are you a Beyonce guy or would you <clears> say you're more of a Solange fan? And I would say, I don't, I've never heard a Solange song in my life. Mm-hmm. So, I liked I liked Beyonce. I liked Crazy Right Now. And then that new thing she did with all the different video Lemonade or something. Mm-hmm. The one where she's basically like, yo, Jay-Z cheated on me. Fuck that dude. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, if I had to choose between the two, I'd go with Sharon Jones. I... And, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you like the joke. I do. I, it, does, it doesn't work on a podcast. I can't hear everyone. You can't laugh. hear the applause that you need, yeah. that you desperately need. Listen, the listen laughter. to Sharon Jones, dude. She was dope, dude. Um, we should do it. We should do. You should do a cover band called the Sharon Jonestown Massacre. Massacre. Oh, it's not. It's too soon, man. She died, man. Oh well, I'm sorry. It's still a great name. Though. Um, right? But, yeah. That's what I thought. But there was already one called the Brian Jonestown Massacre. But that's so why it would be funny. I don't uh, know. Anyhow, um, so I almost you? got to Beyonce see Solange. Or Solange. Solange. So I wish I would have gotten Solange, I think is how you pronounce it. We got tickets. Yeah. My girlfriend got. I think she got them free, and so we were at the Berkeley Bowl which is a um, place in California that's an outdoor amphitheater. And if you've ever been to an outdoor amphitheater, it's just a bunch of steps, big steps, you know, concrete, all that stuff. So we file in, we're waiting, we're waiting in line. I still don't know who I'm going to see. And we got to, uh, Flying Lotus uh, opened for her. Yeah, okay. And if you've ever seen Flying Lotus or you're aware of him, he does a lot of the music for Adult Swim, all their little... This was that Flying Lotus show was Beyonce? It was uh, Solange. Solange. Oh, <clears throat> so <laughs> the fuck that fucking name. I just feel like it's like cucumber sandwiches. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyhow, uh, Flying Lotus was awesome. And then these people were smoking so much weed like down below in front of us. And I don't want to harsh anybody's good time, but like it was getting out of control. Like it was becoming the weed section. And I sound like such an old sober dude. But I was finally like, I was like, you know, can we just go? I said to my girlfriend and she's like, yeah, this is, it's, it was just too much. Like, I don't, right. I wasn't going to like go. Like you were starting to feel high and uncomfortably <laughs> like, shit, I need to call my sponsor. <laughs> well, I, and I also didn't want to like tap them on the shoulder and be like, uh, excuse me. Uh, excuse <laughs> I'm allergic to marijuana. <laughs> the smell of marijuana. <laughs> As I'm at a flying lotus show in berkeley yeah. california you fucking square hit the bricks dude <laughs> so we did we hit the bricks right and, exactly and, and we were leaving and um somebody who worked there asked us if everything was okay we were just leaving we weren't going to say a word to anybody I, no mm-hmm. complaints just get out of there and we so my girlfriend explained exactly what happened and the guy was like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. I'm the manager of the Berkeley Bowl, blah, blah, blah. Give me your email and here's my card and and we'll get you to a free show for one of our other shows. And so we still have uh, two free tickets to whatever promotional like wow. promo show. So, or yeah. what, do, what do you call them? People who put on shows? Promoters? Promoters. Whatever yeah. the, anyhow. So that was my so You're going to go see Steve Martin and his banjo cause, <laughs> and Martin Short because there's no weed at that, I guarantee. <laughs> It's in the parking lot. Or it's all edibles. Yeah, it's all edibles. It's all CBD and edibles. Yeah, because those people are old AF, as the mm-hmm. kids say. What, um, what's next? Is that is that the end of the... Uh... The last one was, uh, hey, Jerry, what about them Thrones? Okay, Which so... Was, I'm a Game of Thrones reference. Yeah. Do you watch Game of Thrones? I haven't seen any of them yet. I'm going to... At all? Not no. from the first one ever? No, no, no. I Just not the last season. Oh. The Not last that. season. So there's like three, right? There's three in this. Yeah. So I haven't watched it's safe any of them. to say no, there's more than three seasons now. It's no, but this eight. is eight season. I'm talking about episodes. There's like three or oh, four. Three right? episodes, yeah. yeah. But you're a fan, you enjoy yes, it. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I like it too, but I, I don't believe the hype. I have a hard time <clears> with the hype. I'm not gonna run around being like Fergie. I, I can't I, I, I'm so contrary I can't handle any hype. Like this new Avengers movie, I don't give a fuck. But I do give a fuck. But I have to like have this cool contrary shit where I'm like, I'm sick of fucking comic book movies. Because I am literally sick of comic book movies. Uh, but what? Not every day is going to be like a movie Jerry likes. So but you probably wish that your daughter was more into the Marvel movies so you could put the onus on her to go take her to go see it. Word. And still exactly. see it. <laughs> yeah, but I just sit with the rest of the guys at the tattoo shop and be like, what about that Spider-Man though? Like I don't mm-hmm. fucking... My, 
what about that Captain America, you guys? I'm like, yeah. nah, I don't fucking... I want to watch it, absolutely, but I'm not going to go to theater. I'll do you think... Um, what do you think about, like... What what kind of recovery programs you think are going on in Westeros? <laughs> I don't know if there's any at all, right? I think the recovery programs you get the pox and fucking die or something. Or you get, like, that stone skin and that's it. You, well, you might oh, as yeah. well, you know? But, uh, I mean, I love I love the show. I think it's fun. I'm going to probably watch it after we're done with this podcast. Yeah, but, I got to Yeah, because Megan up. wants to watch it. But um, I have a hard time with the hype. Like the, it's, I hear you. Uh, it makes my fucking soul hurt. The yeah. punk rocker in me is like, everybody shut the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I can't help it. But, I, I hey, yeah. I gave I gave HBO $15 this month so I could watch this stuff. Me too. I've I been... think it's a great show. I love that it tears away all the things you love. The contrarian in me loves that. Oh, mm-hmm. you think this person's going to be good? We're going to kill them. Oh, and by the way, hey, super ultra masculine dudes watching this for the dragons and kick ass we're going to show you a bunch of dicks. <laughs> Enjoy the dicks. So I love that shit. I love when a wild dick just flies out. I do. I'm like, fuck yeah, dick. That's hilarious. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.